can't get to heaven. No, you can't get to heaven. In a mini skirt. In a mini skirt. Cause God don't want. God don't want. No little flirts. No you can't get to heaven in a mini skirt. Cause the Lord don't want. No. Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Mini Skirt. My name is Jessica. And my name's Sarah. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Heaven in a Mini Skirt. And you can visit our website at heaveninaminiskirt.com. And hopefully soon we'll have ways for you guys to support us, such as merch. But please stay tuned for that. We're getting some stuff designed and we're really excited about it. So today is Sarah's wheelhouse. Is wheelhouse the right word? (sighs) Kind of the right word. Today is Sarah's religious trauma. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. It's great. We're going to get through this together. Yeah. So what are we talking about today, Sarah? Today we are talking about a network of churches known as New Frontiers, formerly known as New Frontiers International. And so this is a church that I was a part of. I started going when I was in high school because some of my friends went there. And then I took a year off after high school and worked in their church for a year in the UK. So I have lots of things to say about this church. And after that, I stayed in touch with that church for a couple of years and then deconstructed and left Christianity. And that was the last home church I had, home base, I guess. And if you've listened to some of our episodes before, we've sprinkled in some stories already about this church, but we'll probably be repeating some of them today. But they are interesting and cringe and will probably make me laugh and a little cult-like a little (laughs) a little basically meets all the criterias for being a cult yeah and we don't want to call christianity a cult because i think that's no no no, it's too vast there are so many denominations in christianity that range from completely normal to completely unhinged so i feel like new frontiers is sort of closer to the unhinged side than the normal side and I always found it quite cult-like and so yeah we're going to talk about how maybe New Frontiers is a cult I don't know is it we'll see you decide listener so we can yeah we can get started by me giving people some context as to what this church is what are their beliefs what's the background what is the church structure and then after that we can get into a discussion about some of my personal experiences with this church (laughs) (laughs) some of your personal experiences but I have I think infinitely more oh yeah and I just want to start this off with a little asterisk that I was a part of many Baptist churches when I was growing up and my experience in the New Frontiers Church could not be more different than the Baptist Church. As much as I don't always agree with all of the beliefs of the Baptist Church, just the level of red flags is not there at all. So (laughs) so if you're Baptist and you're listening, I don't think you're part of a cult. But if you're New Frontiers... You might be. (laughs) You might be. Just hear me out. Hear me out here. So New Frontiers is a charismatic church that was founded by Terry Virgo. So we'll get into him a little bit later. (laughs) Oh, can you define charismatic as well? Yeah. So it's a church within the evangelical Protestant Christianity that has an emphasis on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as speaking in tongues and faith healing. Perfect. Yes. And so this movement began in the 1950s and 1960s, and it was kind of a mash between evangelicalism and Pentecostalism. It started within the UK, and the early days of the movement started with a Bible week called The Downs that was held every year, and a small number of people would get together. It was almost like a camp. And so after 10 years of running this camp where there were speakers and worship, They started to call the event Devoted and then changed its name to New Day. And it still runs. This event still runs. Yeah, you've talked about New Day before. Yeah, New Day. I never actually went to New Day, but 
I was told I wasn't allowed to leave the UK because God wanted me to go to it. So that's <laughs> that's a whole other that story. Later. That's a whole other story. And so Terry Virgo, who is the founder of the church, he was the head guy. Everyone loved Terry Virgo, but he handed over leadership of the church in 2011. So I remember in 2008, 2009, when I was working in the church in the UK, everyone was freaking out because they're like, who's going to be Terry's successor? So instead of having one person kind of like a pope or something, he gave it over to a group of people that he called apostles. Oh, that's not weird. That's totally normal. (laughs) Yeah, so this church is what you would call an apostolic church. And the difference there is that they believe there are modern day apostles. So men that are appointed by God and are in a unique position to interpret the teachings of the Bible and to provide messages from God and to oversee churches and groups of churches. So these are modern day apostles. I don't think I can roll my eyes any harder than I'm Yeah, so like the Apostle Paul was an apostle and many sects of Christianity believe that apostles were only in the early years after Jesus had ascended. However, New Frontiers believes in modern day apostles. Their structure of their church is they only have male leadership. So their pastors are what they call elders. And so elders would be appointed by other elders or by other apostles. And they hold all of the decision making within the church from the finances to what kind of programs are allowed to what direction the church is going in. There's a lot of power that is held by a team of a few men. And typically how many men per church? I think it it depends on the church. The church that I went to in our hometown was about 200 people. And I think there were about three, three or four men that were in charge. And so on that theme of only allowing men to be in leadership, New Frontiers churches hold a complementarian position on gender that would say that women can be leaders and they can preach, but they have to be under the authority of a man when doing so. And equal, but different. Equal, but different. They teach that men are the head of women and women are encouraged to hold any position other than the ultimate leader position where they would be making decisions or having a lot of influence. If you are looking for more context on gender roles within churches, we had an episode on headship and submission that it was our second episode, I think. So you can take a listen to that too after this or right now if you want. It might give you some context to what that kind of means and how we feel about it, which is not good. And a lot of them hold to the doctrine of Calvinism. Are you familiar with Calvinism? So interestingly enough is that I had never heard of Calvinism until I started doing this podcast. And it is something that has come up quite a bit. And my understanding of Calvinism is that like your fate is like already decided for you. Yeah, it's essentially like predestination. So can you explain it? Yeah, I will explain (laughs) it. I get kind of confused. Yeah, so Calvinism is generally divided into five different points. And the first one is total depravity. So humanity possesses free will, but they are in bondage to sin until they're transformed by the blood of Jesus. And so unconditional election is another doctrine which describes the actions and motives of God prior to creating the world. It's kind of what you mentioned, that he predestined some people to be saved and other people not to be saved. So God chose people at the beginning of time. I got to say, man, that's that's the most ridiculous thing I think I've heard. Go on, sorry. I mean, there is definitely scripture to back it up. There's one verse that says that God is like the potter and we are like the clay and some clay you throw in the garbage and other clay you make a nice (gasps) vase with. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... So are we garbage clay, Sarah? We might be garbage clay, Jessica. And they believe in justification by faith alone. So you are saved through faith, not through anything that you are doing. It's just by the grace of God and that if you are meant to be saved, that God's grace is irresistible and you will be saved if you're meant to be. And they believe that the people that were elected, the people that were chosen to be Christian before the beginning of time, the ones chosen by God will remain faithful. And that if you fall away or you're apostate, maybe you were never saved in the first place. Healthy, healthy outlook. (laughs) 
Okay, so that's the Calvinism. And I mean, they believe that homosexuality is a sin. It's not sin to have same-sex attraction, but they don't affirm gay people or the quote-unquote gay lifestyle. They believe that the devil is responsible for anything bad. So if you have thoughts that you should be gluttonous or that you are lusting after someone, this is the devil. The devil and the demons are always working against you all the time. So they believe in spiritual warfare. They're really big into baptism in the Holy Spirit. They believe in baptism by immersion. So baptism in water. And they are really into some, they're really into some other church leaders outside of New Frontiers. They really like John Piper, who's a theologian. And they like Timothy Keller, who's another like apologist or Christian scholar. And they love Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll and Terry Virgo, the founder, they are buddy-buddy. And there was one time I was at a service and they did not quote scripture once, but they quoted Mark Driscoll. And that was the point where I was like, I mean, I was never, I never loved Mark Driscoll because I always felt like he was a bit of a dick. A bit. If you don't mention Jesus, but you're talking about Mark Driscoll, maybe you have a deceiving spirit. Was this service in the UK or in our hometown? In the UK. So you experienced our hometown, but the UK was amplified because in Canada, there's only a handful of New Frontiers churches and church plants. That's another thing they're really big into. They like strategically move groups of people to a city to plant a church and like grow another church. They do that, don't they? They I do. I have seen that yeah. on their Instagram. So yeah. they're really big into church planting. So some things they do that are really positive they are huge on social action. A lot of the churches do a lot in the community for marginalized populations, for people that are unhoused or homeless people. So they have a huge emphasis on that. But then they're also like against other marginalized populations like gay people and trans people. Don't you have a story about how in our hometown they did a lot of outreach to like the unhoused and homeless community but then when you went to the UK they were like no we don't do that we'd go to the Salvation Army. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah so one of the reasons I got involved with the community is I I loved how much social action they did for the community. They used to do sandwich run on Sundays where we would just make a bunch of sandwiches hundreds of sandwiches and we just like drop them off to rooming houses and just to people on the street and they always had like a drop-in on Monday nights where people could come and play pool in the church basement and they'd get pop and chips and pop pop and chips so they did (laughs) (laughs) soda they did a lot for soda for our American listeners yeah soda for American (laughs) listeners they did a lot for marginalized people and I really liked that I mean yes there was an undertone of wanting to convert people But at the same time, they did do a lot of positive within the community. If we think about like any religion that does outreach, usually there is an underlying motive. In our hometown, I never got the impression that these outreach programs had a really bad ulterior motive. No, some of the people that were running it were some of the kindest, most generous, thoughtful, just really good humans. So I think that's what got me really involved. I got really passionate about social action and those were positive experiences. Yeah, and those people that I remember from that church, because as Sarah said, she was really involved in the church. I wasn't involved, but I had gone to, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen services over a couple years. And the people that went there are super nice. Like, that's why I kept going, because they were really nice. I was friends with quite a few of them already. And some of them were so kind and are kind. They're not putting on a front. Like, they are just kind people. These are not the people we're talking about today. (laughs) Today we're talking about the shitty ones. And that's, but that kind of goes for like any group, any cult. I know a lot about cults. So I am our resident cult enthusiast. I'm obsessed with cults. So I do a lot of research on cults and most of the people that are involved are good people. It's the people when you start getting into the inner groups, when you started getting to the top, like I never got into the inner groups of New Frontiers. You had way more experience when you started getting into the inner circle. And even like when I was in the UK and I was working as a church employee, I got to see the inside conversations, the inside meetings, obviously not all of them because I wasn't an elder, but that's where I saw the misuse of power and this imbalance where I had grown up in the Baptist church where everyone in the Baptist church votes, like every church member votes on decisions. So it's democratic. And the advantage of that is that leaders are held accountable for what they do. 
But a lot of the times in the New Frontiers Church, if someone disagreed, they could be excommunicated. If someone disagreed, they could be kicked off the leadership team because they did not align with what God was saying. It's almost as if democracy is better than dictatorship. What? (laughs) Crazy. So weird. (laughs) Crazy concepts. Yeah. So the back to the story. So the church that I had gone to in my hometown had done a lot of social action. Then when I went to work in the UK church for a year, I asked, oh, do you do any sort of like outreach to the unhoused? And they're like, oh, that's not really like our target market. Like we (laughs) target market. (laughs) Like we support like more middle class populations, but if you want to help the unhoused, you can go to the Salvation Army Church. They have like a drop in thing where they serve food. So I went to the Salvation Army Church and volunteered a few times. I love that. That made me laugh so hard. I was like, you, when you told me that, I just died. I know. But it's good. Like, see, like it goes to show that you actually just wanted to help people. So they, the New Frontiers, they take a lot of attributes that Calvinists have. Yeah. They're big into like the elect, the predestination. And so they're charismatic with a touch of Calvinism and evangelicalism. Yeah. This is a a great combination of things, by the way. So do you have any more history? Any more history? I'm trying to see like how many churches. So they have right now, they have over 1,500 churches across 70 different countries. So Terry Virgo used to run it and now it's led by apostles. So if we're talking yeah. about like the, I guess the pyramid structure of the church. So like the top people are the apostles. Yeah. And how many of them are there? So on their website, they have apostolic leaders. And so they have 18 apostles. So the 18 apostles oversee the whole organization. And then each church has its own elders. So the elders are like kind of below the apostles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the history, I guess. And the overview of New Frontiers. Yeah. Do you want to hear about their 17 values? Oh, my God. 17? (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. Yes, for sure. Now, is it going to put me to sleep? Because you know who puts me to sleep is Terry Virgo. I swear Uh, to God. No, some of them we can just gloss over, but there are some that are more interesting. (laughs) I just want to say about Terry Virgo, though, is that like if he could create like a sleep app (laughs) and just put all of his talks on there, he'd make a fortune because he's so fucking boring. But all right. So what are the 17 values of the New Frontiers Church? All right. So they like preaching the gospel that is loving, righteous, and lifestyle involved in world mission and reaching the unsaved community by both public and personal evangelistic activity. So that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So they preach the gospel, number one. Number two, they are a church where they teach the Bible regularly, preach on the Bible and scripture's authority is final. So they take the Bible pretty literally. And number three, they believe in the grace of God. And so you're saved by grace. It's not something you do. You're saved by faith. Mm -hmm. Um, They believe that people should be baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know a little bit about that. So one thing that's interesting about them believing in baptism in the Holy Spirit, and in past episodes, I went into my Facebook vault where I was trying to like evangelize to all my Baptist friends about oh my God. about how they needed to be baptized in the Spirit because they, they believe that if you're not baptized into the Holy Spirit, so whether that's speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, like some sort of charismatic experience, that you're not living the full genuine life in the spirit of God. I never got that impression when I went to the Near Frontiers Church. Never. Like, okay, my first memory of anyone ever speaking in tongues was at the New Frontiers Church, but it didn't happen every service, did it? Yeah, it didn't happen outwardly. Like there wasn't like a public tongue every service, but there were definitely people that were praying silently in tongues every service. Oh, okay. And you didn't go to prayer meetings, my friend. Oh, no. I'd be there for 7.30 a.m. to go to the prayer meeting before church. Then one Sunday a month, they had tag, which was together asking God. And that was like a prayer night. So, oh, my God. Yeah, that was. Wow, you were really dedicated. You didn't invite me to any of these things, by the way. Thank you for that. I don't know why you didn't, but I'm glad you didn't. I think I felt like a bit self-conscious, to be honest. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, so... my God. Otherwise, I might have better stories, but. 
I'm glad that I don't. I'm glad you avoided okay. that piece. They're a church where God is enthusiastically worshipped with genuine freedom for men and women to worship publicly in the Holy Spirit, to use the spiritual gifts, and participate in body ministry. So all the charismatic stuff, all the laying on of hands, the being slaying in the spirit, the prophecy, the speaking in tongues. Man, I'm really trying to rack my brain and remember all the services I went to in New Frontiers. What I remember most is like the rock music vibe. It had the very like hipster church vibe. Good music. It just felt like really intense to me. That's why I didn't go that often. But I never saw anyone get slain in the spirit. I think maybe like a handful of times somebody was outwardly speaking in tongues. And I was like, I am so fucking uncomfortable right now. Every time. (laughs) I never got comfortable with that. It was always so awkward. And I was like, please stop right now. Did you ever see a demon casted out of someone? No. Okay. No. I think honestly, Sarah, if I had seen that, I would never have gone back. I feel like almost the experience of the church in Canada had the elements of the care. Like it was definitely charismatic. But it was Mm -hmm. almost a different level in the UK. Like, it was almost, we are, like, actively seeking after this. Like, we want everyone to fall down. We want everyone to speak in tongues. Like, it was much more outwardly sort of pushed, I found, when I was living in the UK. Were you shocked when you got there and this is what it was like? I guess, like, I had been in charismatic circles enough that... I wasn't super shocked. I'd gone to Pentecostal youth group. I'd seen all of that before. Yeah, voluntarily started going to the Pentecostal church. My God, that story is so good. I feel like I was desensitized to it. I feel like when I first was around things like that, freshly coming out of being in the Baptist church for the first 15 years of my life, yes, it was a shock at first. But a part of me wanted to be open to it. Like There was a certain appeal to believing that God is here now and active and you can hear directly from God in a very tangible way. Like there was something really appealing about that. And it was almost like those people are hearing these things directly. Those people have the thing. And I wanted the, the thing. thing. I wanted that the experience. Thing. Yeah, the thing. They. That's what's interesting about the New Frontiers Church is that they... We were talking about this before we started, but like the Baptist church, if you leave the Baptist church and start going to a different denomination church, they're probably not going to really say much to you. Like they won't be like, oh, you're not going to go to heaven now because you're going to a united church. But like the thing about New Frontiers and those culty churches is they're like, we have the thing. And if you don't follow this exact formula, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to be saved. And I think that... Or you're not as advanced or you're not as right as we are. Like, maybe you'll still go to heaven, but, like, you don't have the full experience of a relationship with God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, that made me think of a couple stories. There was one time where we went to this other... I think it was a Pentecostal church. We had this joint youth service with this other youth group when I was a youth leader in the UK. And afterwards, like the youth leaders at our next youth group, they're like, some of the things we we question if it's a demonic spirit, where <laughs> they're all, you know, some of some of their spiritual signs, we seem to think that it's not necessarily genuine, it's not of God. So we're like, we have the real Holy Spirit, and like, they have a counterfeit, and they're sus and like we're good and and like you guys are worshiping the same fucking thing like that's what's so interesting to me is that it's like well you're not worshiping in the correct way and it's a demonic spirit not the holy spirit and we know this for a fact you're like you're all out of your fucking minds yeah i remember another time we like sitting around at coffee break and the pastor and then like a female employee they're like they were sitting around and talking because there was this i think it was an anglican church that had rented out the church auditorium because it was bigger for a men's weekend and they're like oh my gosh that guy was wearing three shades of green like he wants to reach men like you gotta look a little better like they're very based on appearances oh yeah what does that even mean they're like he wants to reach men and like look at his fashion sense and i was (laughs) i remember just like leaving the room and just being like oh my gosh these people are so on like jesus these people are so materialistic and so concerned with all of the wrong things and i'm and i obviously that wasn't everyone at the church and obviously a lot of people had good intentions and their hearts in the right spot but that kind of attitude was pervasive enough that it did not sit right with me even when i was a part of that church and working within that church especially if it was more pervasive within the leadership 
of the apostles. Like if they all have that attitude, it's just going to end up trickling down. And that's where things start to get really like murky. Like it doesn't matter how well-intentioned the congregants are. If their leadership is not well-intentioned or if they, if their intentions are completely off. Or corrupt or has zero accountability. I think when human beings are in power and have zero accountability and they think that they're hearing directly from God, Man, that was a lot of fucking toxic masculinity. It was That's a recipe for disaster. If we're talking, if we're going to go into more culty talk, like anyone who has unchecked power is the stories that I've looked into. Power corrupts everyone. I don't even think there's a human being on the planet that if they got too much power wouldn't end up being corrupt. Yeah, power without accountability is even worse. So we're going to get into the next few values are very interesting. So Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot we okay. were talking about the values. <laughs> so so number 6 is kind of number 6 is pretty tame. A church which is a loving community meeting both publicly and in homes, sharing and caring for each other's needs, both spiritual and material. Sure, that's great. Number 7. Okay. Just get ready. You're going to Oh no. You're going to be so mad. A oh, church no where biblical family is highly valued, where husband and wife embrace servant leadership and joyful female submission, where godly parenting is taught and practiced, and where the special value of singleness and its unique opportunities are affirmed. Can we just go back to joyful female submission? <laughs> I'm trying to contain my rage right now so bad. Like, my eyes are closed and I'm like, hmm. Like, trying to- and they... Like props to them. They give zero fucks. They're very open about their views of biblical, what they view as biblical. Props to them for being openly sexist instead of covertly sexist. Honestly, I would rather that sometimes. Like when people fly under the radar. Oh, yeah. I'd rather you not lie about your biases. You might as well just be open about your blatant sexism. I don't know how being subservient can ever be joyful. That's an interesting thought because obviously some people, if, okay, I'm going to just talk specifically about the things that you see on TikTok and the things that you see online about biblical femininity and being submissive to your husband. Like there are women out there, specifically younger women. I will say that they're usually not in their thirties because they haven't experienced life yet. And they think that their purpose in life is to serve their husband. And they are joyful about that. And I can't really quite pinpoint why obviously some people's personalities are just like that but i'd say like the majority of people it's like you are indoctrinated to think that this is the biggest honor that you could give god is for your husband to be the head of the household well you are a helpmate like his purpose is to do whatever career he's called for and your purpose your first purpose is to be a mother and a wife and a support to him so he can achieve his things do you think that it feels good for people and I'm not even going to say women specifically but for people to be given a role and they don't have to necessarily think about it it's like no this is what you're doing I'm trying to like unpack this in my brain at this very moment like we're doing it in real time right now honestly most women that I talk to about it were like this is a struggle but this is the struggle that goes back to Adam and Eve. And it, and God says, after the fall of man, God says that your desire will be to be in charge, but he will rule over you. So it's seen as that is the consequence of sin. Sin entered into the world because Eve was out on her own and her husband, Adam, wasn't a good leader and he didn't help protect her and he wasn't a good spiritual guide for her and she fell into sin. And as a result, all of the human race fell into sin because the woman was acting in a leadership role. And like women's greatest struggle, one of the greatest struggles for women is to want to be controlling and to have that Jezebel spirit where they're trying to be the leader. And What's wrong with that? It's great. <laughs> what well, what they would say is that God's intention was for women to be a helpmate, to be a support to man. And man is held accountable to God for the sins of his family. So he's supposed to be a spiritual covering. Like the hierarchy that's described in 1 Corinthians is that the father is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man and man is the head of woman. So that's just the way it is. Something that we do need to remember is the Bible was obviously written several years ago and (laughs) things were a lot different. It was written a long time ago when women were considered lower than men and Obviously, we have to think about the cultural context of when this was written. It spoke a lot to the particular culture. And I think one of the things that has really changed 
women and our ability to function in society as independent is the fact that we have reproductive control. Because before legalized abortion and before birth control, like you're going to just keep having children and you need someone who can provide for you and protect you. So the dynamic was like totally different. And some people say it was revolutionary that Paul was advocating for servant leadership for a man to put down his life for his wife and really care for her and teach her and support her in her spirituality. So in some cultures, this like this was pretty advanced to have this view of women, but I think it's still not a great view. It's not quite advanced now. And so I, I think the problem with New Frontiers is they take it out of context almost. Like a lot of other churches who allow female leaders will be like, look at the context. That was a society where women couldn't inherit property. Women couldn't work. Women couldn't do anything without a man. It's just impossible to translate those over to today. It's better for men that way and because they think that the bible is literal i don't i don't even think it's better for men though i think that there's a lot of pressure saying that you have to be a servant leader and everything falls on you like i think that's undue pressure i think it infantilizes women and i think it puts way too much responsibility onto men i think it's just a lose-lose for everyone honestly yeah i can imagine as a man being told that you have to be a leader that's a lot of pressure that i don't think that i would enjoy it's almost like you're never free to make mistakes you're never free to explore anything because you have to get married and take care of your wife and children immediately and you have to be a servant leader and i mean oftentimes they would say like look this is like worst case scenario of the man having the final say like ideally the man and his wife will pray and they will seek god's guidance and then if they can't come to an agreement ultimately it's what the man feels like god is telling them to do so the final say fell to the man it's like we covered before the 50 and 51 like every company needs a ceo and you're like Okay, Jan, it's not a company. It's a, it's a <laughs> fucking relationship, which is very different. <laughs> like, who's Jan? <laughs> where's my HR department? <laughs> like, yeah. If there's a CEO, there better be an HR department. Yeah. So, okay, so that's number seven. Number eight is a church led by male elders, one whom is clearly understood to be a gifted leader who is ordained by the Holy Spirit and confirmed through apostolic ministry. So the elders have to be supported by the apostles. Number nine is good. Oh, God, another good one. So a church where elders are honored as servant leaders. They love the term servant leaders, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> Caring for the flock and providing appropriate spiritual disciplines where necessary. This girl here, I got spiritually disciplined like when I got kicked off teaching Sunday school for six months because I smoked pot. Oh, no. Yeah. Pot. Yes. Yeah, so that story, we've talked about that before. Do we want to go into the Facebook vault or do we not want to? Oh, my God. Okay. Let's go to the Facebook vault just like a touch. Okay. I'm going back. Yeah. We love the Facebook vault. So Facebook vault is when Sarah goes into her old Facebook chat messages from whenever. You can just search keywords, by the way, and go through all of your old Facebook messages. And it's horrifying and upsetting. And I don't have as many good Facebook vault chats that Sarah does. Okay, so I was messaging one of the elders in 2010. I had just been kicked off teaching Sunday school. And I messaged the pastor a follow-up message on Facebook at 10 a.m. in the next morning, I guess. And I said, not going to lie, our talk really did hurt and offend me. My immediate reaction was to go and badmouth you to whoever would listen. After thinking about this for 15 minutes in my car, I'm slightly less angry, but still hurt. I wish that the church had brought this up before I started on a team teaching Sunday school because it was embarrassing to have to call the other teacher and tell her I can no longer help out anymore because I'm not consistent long enough in my faith. I understand what you're doing. I know it's in scripture, but it's still really hard to take. It does have me feeling rejected and bitter. Sorry for being brutally honest. However, I realize where you're coming from, and I know that I would not want my life group leader to be getting drunk high or having sex, all things I've done in the past couple months. Though, <gasps> although I have changed <gasps> my lifestyle a lot in the past few weeks, I do get your point. You want to see this as a more permanent change. I get that. I have the Holy Spirit helping me a lot now which I did not really depend upon before. I'm really trying to be proactive, but I do get your hesitations to having me serve within your church. I guess all I can say is that I'm going to prove your doubts wrong, and I do want to serve. I do feel God can use me, and if you think it'll be better to wait a couple months before I actively participate in the life of our church, then I understand. 
All throughout the New Testament, Paul did church discipline. It is biblical, and I guess it's pretty gutsy nowadays to enforce such a thing. Props to you for not compromising. It just sucks being on the end of it. I'm really not trying to take this the wrong way. I know you guys love me and want to support me, but I don't get why this happens to me and no one else. I could list off so many people, but again, I won't. If you feel this is what God wants, then I will accept it. Not gladly, but I'm sure eventually I will be able to. Should I refrain from interacting with youth? One of them wants to go for coffee. Should I not? Anyway, this is really long-winded. I have to be off to class. I will talk to you on Sunday. Have a good weekend. That was a long message. So what's the story here? They sat down with you and were like... They sat down with you and they're like, you can't teach Sunday school anymore because you've smoked weed. And I guess I had drank and had sex a few months before that. Oh my God. And the other person who was teaching had done the same stuff, like maybe a little bit before me. And she had told on me. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking snitches get stitches. And so what year was this? 2011? This is when we lived together? Or this was 2010. 2010 the year before we lived together so that is kind of to your point of church discipline I was on the opposite end of that but I saw people get disciplined I saw people get kicked out of the church because they were gay and they were not repentant of the gay lifestyle and then every year wouldn't they like read a shit list of the people that they kicked out of the church yeah and the reasons why yeah they would they would share with the whole church So we also know of people at the New Frontiers Church that maybe did some unsavory things such as adultery and had to go up in front of the whole congregation and apologize. Yeah. Which is sad in a way, too, because that doesn't stay within the church. No. Like people, we know about it and we stopped going to that church years ago, but people have told us these things and you're like... That's just airing someone's dirty laundry. If there's a marital problem between two people, like, why do we have to air it to the church? It's traumatic. Yes. You know, that's going to impact all kinds of relationships that don't necessarily need to be impacted. And it's not always the couple's choice. It's like something that is the elders decide that this needs to be shared with the church for whatever reason. Which is so inappropriate. So in some instances, like, where there maybe there's like a marital issue how would the elders even know it's because they went to seek counsel with the church because they needed help oh yeah and then the church was like oh well now you gotta tell everybody that is so humiliating because the group was very self-contained like they would set people up with like spiritual mentors so i was set up with someone who was my spiritual mentor and my accountability partner was she older than you yeah oh yeah so what age she was like in her 40s And you were in your early 20s. How far into New Frontiers do you have to get in order to get a spiritual mentor and accountability partner? Because I never had anything like that. Oh, you have to be pretty far in, like pretty involved. The level of going to the 7.30 a.m. prayer meetings. Because, you know, of course, there's a general like population of people that go to that church. That's probably almost the majority where they like go Sunday, they do the worship, they listen to the message, whatever, and then they go live their lives. But then you get the in-group, the people that are going to the life groups or the Bible studies, the people that are going to prayer meetings. And that's where you really start to see some of these sort of sketchy leadership dynamics at Just the level of influence that the elders had on people's lives were unhealthy. I'll tell the story now. So when I was in the UK, when I was 18 and started working in the church, they had a contract that we had to sign at the beginning of the year saying that we'd be there the whole year. So I like read through and I said, oh, this says the leaving date is August, but I want to go to university. So I want to have the summer at home to prepare before that. So I want to go home in June. And they're like, oh, yeah, just sign it. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, that won't matter. So then when it came to like April and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to be going home in June. They're like, the elders actually all met together without me. And then they brought me into a meeting after and they're like, we all met together and prayed and it's God's will. For you to stay here until August so you can go to New Day, essentially. Oh, yeah. And they're like, God, <laughs> God wants you to stay and like this is what's happening, essentially. And um, I basically had to get some of my support system from back home involved, like people that weren't involved in that church. And the elders from the church in my hometown were essentially like, no, we need to listen to the eldership. Like, this is God's will. But then as soon as people from my support system threatened to go to the media, they changed their tune and I was able to go home in <laughs> Because June. wouldn't that technically be kidnapping of some sort? Like, it didn't feel like I had a choice in the matter because I was 18 and here were these men in their 
30s to 70s sitting me down and being like the creator of the universe wants you to go to new day so <laughs> the creator of the universe needs you to stay for two more months it's you specifically so you can go to this stupid festival <laughs> yeah i love that but also like as an 18 year old of course you would be like i'm trapped like what are you going to do as an 18 year old if they try to do that to you now you would be like oh my god fuck you (laughs) but back then like I just and especially the dynamic around gender and I was in a different country on a different continent away from home you want to hear just a funny story yes um (laughs) there was one time where me and this other kid from Canada he was working in a different church about like a 30 minute train ride from the city that I was in in the south of the UK and it was his 19th birthday and in Canada where we're from, that's like the big birthday that you can legally drink. But obviously you can legally drink at 16 or 18 in the UK, depending on like what setting you're in. So we had this like party with some of his friends from the church and then I was staying over and him and I were like, oh, we should just like finish the rest of the alcohol. And we were like so sheltered and so dumb. We got like blackout drunk. Like I remember at some point in the night just being in the shower, like puking. And I woke <laughs> I woke up oh, with like God. with like puke in my hair and I hopped in the shower. But then I, when I got out, I still smelled like puke. And I had to be at church for like 8 a.m. the next day. So I'm on the 6.30 a.m. trains I probably reek this tracks (laughs) this tracks I probably reek of alcohol I get home to the house that I was staying at I was living with a church family and I get there I have enough time to like change and like I remember taking like a face cloth and like trying to wipe like puke out of my hair and then they're like we're here to pick you up and so I go to the church I'm probably still drunk and probably reek of alcohol reek of alcohol and the biggest hangover ever I felt like shit And I helped out with the Sunday school. And then there's like a break between Sunday school and one of the services. And I fucking passed out under the senior elder's desk with like a beanbag chair as my pillow. And they were giving a tour of the church to some fancy person (laughs) that was visiting as a speaker. And they just see this like me passed out underneath the preacher's desk and they're like this doesn't usually happen and then there was this whole thing they were so mad at me they were so mad and like I had this huge talking to with the elders and like the elders from Canada and they're like we're worried about you that was not a good choice (laughs) that was not a good choice that was not a good choice it was not a good choice of course you got caught I know the UK is so different because I feel like in Canada I wasn't around drinking that much but in the UK I was legal age and so all the people I was hanging out with were going out, but they had better tolerances than me. And I was just like getting yeah. fucking hammered every weekend. We've talked about your 19th birthday party before, I think on the podcast, how- I was in the New Frontiers church the next morning after that too. <laughs> uh. So Sarah's 19th birthday in Canada, we went out and I- You ditched, you're like- fucking I ditched you, but I made sure that you were fine. Oh yeah. There were other people taking care of you, but there was me and another friend and we're like, I'm not dealing with her drunk ass. You were kind of that drunk where like you couldn't see like you oh. couldn't see us you were I had no idea us. what was going on I got carried out of the bar <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so now everyone knows everyone knows that I was a fucking idiot in my late teens okay. early 20s we were all fucking idiots and this is why I made a TikTok about not getting married when you're 18 because look at the shit that we were doing when we were 18 I think the people that think that they're ready for marriage when they're 18 they're not more mature they might just be more sheltered or maybe they just don't have that rebellious gene that we had like we need to like experience all this stuff it doesn't mean that their brain is more developed than ours was we just had a lot more to get out of our system so much and i still don't think that you should get married when you're 18 people thought that i was mature when i was 18 i was just fucking depressed but yeah so sarah passed out under a desk and now we're here yeah now we're here do we want to go to the next point oh my god (laughs) to 10 we still have seven i'll I'll go i'll go through like the next one no it's okay it's just making me laugh i can't believe we're still talking about this so (laughs) number 10 is a church freed from complacency and endeavoring to grow in gospel impact faith prayer generosity action and influence sure number 11 a church whose individual members are equipped for their role in service within the church community including the release and training of those called to trans local ministry So they do have programs. The program I went on was called FP Impact, Frontiers Something Impact. And it was like essentially like you would go to the year and some people would go to a different country. Some people went to Australia, South Africa, France. I went to the UK and you would live with the church family and you would work 60 hours a week in their church and you would get Mondays off. (laughs) And 
then so was, free labor free, free labor. labor yeah Ooh, cults love free labor yeah and then once a month he would go for three days to this place called Tunbridge Wells I don't know it was like a little town in southern England and we would go there and study the bible and go and do street evangelism this is when you did treasure hunting this is when I did treasure hunting can you define that yeah so if you haven't listened to the episode where I talk about that it's you would pray for God to give you clues about someone and so people would have words come to their head they would be like okay green shirt cancer or something like that and you would find someone (laughs) with a green shirt and be like hey does anyone in your life have cancer and it's like of course (laughs) of course someone probably does and then you'd be like can I pray for you and that's so insane I know so that was I mean oh god it's okay and I think that was popularized by the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry who New Mm. Frontiers also had some connections with oh Uh, did they of course they they did did. wow New Frontiers really just ticking all the boxes of the crazy people yeah they They got the marked they got Bethel and the Calvinists. The Calvinists. So next up we have, they're fully involved in shared apostolic mission to extend the kingdom of God. Like in the New Testament church, when they were making disciples, training leaders and planting churches, including wholehearted financial commitment, welcoming trans local ministries, regularly attending corporate gatherings, promoting our publications and communicating our news. So basically, if you're a part of our church, you're communicating our news, giving us some money, attending our events. Got to get that tithing money. Yeah. How much did they ask for tithing there? 10%. Was it really big? Oh, they told me that I should tithe my student loans. Stop. Yeah. That was the UK. That was the UK church leaders that said you should tithe your student loans. You didn't have student loans at the time. No, I didn't have student loans at the time. But I remember it being like a question and a discussion that the uni group was having. What just the actual fuck? so crazy so a church which is serving and empowering the poor within its own ranks and beyond so can't take off that box had to go to the salvation army church to do that one yeah a church which wholeheartedly embraces the new testament teaching of the one new man demonstrating love and respect between race culture and sexes i think there could be a little more respect for women because to me equal but different is not equal that's just my piece there A church which is proving to be both salt and light in its location, impacting the culture of its community. Do you know what salt and light means? No, I was going to say, did you just say salt? I don't. So there's a verse where Jesus says to be the salt of the earth. So like the thing that's different and to be the light in the dark. So they have the thing. They're the thing that's different. Is committed to excellent relationship with with other Christians and churches in its community. The New Frontiers Church, I would say, like, wasn't necessarily bad with this. Like, they would attend some events with other churches. So those are the 17 values. Wow, we're done? Okay, cool. You want to hear about the spiritual abuse? Of course, always. I always want to hear about spiritual abuse. Okay, so... Why else would we do this podcast? So there's this guy, he's anonymous, and he has this website that's, like, real old school, But he resigned from senior leadership with New Frontiers back in 2004. And he said that working for New Frontiers was the worst experience of his life. He said that they have toxic faith, that they are basically cult-like and have a lot of spiritual abuse. So toxic faith at work. So some things that he lists for them having toxic faith is because they have no court of appeal. When a crisis came, I realized that New Frontiers had no room for seeking outside help to solve a problem. They were the judge, the jury, and the court of appeal because they had the apostolic anointing. He answers some questions on his webpage. So why is it anonymous? And he says that he doesn't want to be easily found on the internet. He's not spreading around muck just for the sake of it, but he wants to expose the practices. Isn't this just a personality clash? No, my personality certainly seems to have clashed with some others, but the accusations made not one of personality, but one of being demonized. In addition, no attempt whatsoever was made to resolve differences with me. There was an agenda to remove me, and once that had been decided upon, no negotiation was possible. In addition, I contend that what happened to me was by no means an isolated incident, but one in a long series of similar events within this movement worldwide. He gives some recommendations for good books about spiritual abuse. And this is a pretty small movement when you look at the global scale of other church denominations. But the fact that someone took the time to make an anonymous website 
because he was scared of the repercussions for him if people knew. Yeah, that's really interesting. He was really passionate about sharing his experience because he was essentially like kicked off and told that he was demonic. I was told when I left the church that I had a demonic spirit. Why? Did I not what? tell you that? No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is I was so told fucked. That, like, really? Who told you that? One of the elders? Someone that was on the worship team. One of my friends, one of my good friends at the time. He asked me out for coffee and we had a nice catch up. And then he came to our shared apartment afterwards. Oh. And that's, that's when it got unleashed when we were no longer in public. He was like, you're a hypocrite. You're so worldly and you have a demonic spirit, blah, blah, blah. It's that almost was. as if you were struggling with your faith. It's almost as if I was 19, 20. Yeah, I do. I actually, I do remember you at that time. And... It's funny, like, because you were straddling these two worlds. And I mean, the definition of a hypocrite, like, I probably met the definition in some form, but I was obviously really struggling Mm -hmm. with deconstructing and struggling with figuring out my beliefs and how I wanted to experience the world. And And all of the things that you were struggling with are in the Facebook vault where you're talking to elders and trying to get help and everyone's just demonizing you, which is really sad. This website that we'll put in the show notes is from, it was last updated in 2011. And back then, like, there just wasn't the same amount of connection over social media. There wasn't as much talk about cults either. This is how cults get exposed, is if there's, like, several websites like this. There's several stories Well, when I was younger, like... I thought cults were just basically like, okay, a cult is... Jonestown? Yeah, Jonestown. Or like the people, what's the one with the big eyes? And he talked and then they all thought they were going on a spaceship. Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Yeah, so basically like that's what I see a lot in people that aren't as obsessed with cults as I am is like everyone thinks everything is a cult now. And I'm like, not really. We just know that cults are more than just Jonestown and Heaven's Gate and more than just like fucking Charles Manson. Cults are groups like New Frontiers who try to change people and mold people into things that they're not. And they withhold information from you and they demonize you. You, They say you have a demonic spirit. That is not good behavior. That is not healthy behavior. You shouldn't have a group of people telling you that you have a demonic spirit and that you can't go to their group because you are partaking in activities that are legal you're allowed to drink and have sex when you're 19 but not according to this group they try to alter your behavior this is called behavior like so we can uh, like i'm now i'm i'm on a fucking rant can we dive it kind of into the characteristics of a cult and maybe see if this fits the bill so what i'm gonna bring up is stephen hassan's bite model so stephen hassan is a psychotherapist and he is a cult expert he's an actual cult expert i'm just somebody who is interested in cults he created the bite model which is a model of authoritarian control he did a lot of research to basically be like mind control is not ambiguous mind control can be actually laid out and this is how people control other people is through this model and so the bite model stands for behavior control information control thought control and emotional control and so if we look at each category there's several things that define behavior control etc so if we're looking at behavior control some of these characteristics are definitely more intense than others i would say if we're talking about new frontiers they didn't partake in all of these things but they definitely participated in a few so behavior control could be things like regulate individuals physical reality dictate where how and with whom the member lives and associates or isolates so when you're in a church like this you really only communicate with people within the church and that's where all these issues arise in society that people aren't communicating with people that have different life experiences in them well i remember being in the room where there are like 30 or 40 of us that were doing the training in south of england in these churches and i remember they were talking about evangelizing and interacting with non-christians and some of them were like who here has interacted with a non-christian in the past week like other than just like at the grocery store And only a few of us raised our hands. Whoa. Yes. Did they want you to interact with non-Christians? Yeah, they're like, you should try and interact with non-Christians more because how are you going to evangelize? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they don't actually want you to have like a worldly friends. They just want you to evangelize to people. Gotcha. So restricting leisure, entertainment, and vacation time. I found that interesting because it kind of pertains to them like trying to trap you in the UK a little bit and also basically making you work 60 hours for free. You were doing this specific program. 
program, but... But they will take and take and take. There's so much pressure to serve unless you're not living to their standards. And this next one kind of pertains to that. So I'm jumping through per category. There's probably like 30 characteristics. So I'm just jumping through, but this one's interesting. It's major time spent with group indoctrination and rituals and or self-indoctrination, including the internet. So that would be like QAnon. But the first one is like going to all of these prayer groups, church services, like all your activities are New with day. Group, new day. And that is behavior control. Like I know that people think that this is totally normal but i think these things are slippery slopes if you want to go to church all the time and volunteer in your church there is a line that you can cross where that becomes unhealthy i think for me it was at certain points like where my health was starting to slip because i was so tired because that was all i was doing this one's interesting discourage individualism encourage groupthink i mean that goes really (laughs) That really goes for every church I ever attended. Even when we worked at Christian camp, individualism was a little bit discouraged. It wasn't super extreme, but it was encouraged to follow a certain set of rules and be a certain kind of person. Well, I mean, being told like what books I could and couldn't read. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's information control. Yeah. Let's go to the I of the bite model, which is information control. We were just on the B. So information control, deliberately withholding information, distorting information to make it more acceptable and systematically lying to cult members. So I think that they were definitely deliberately withholding information from you or trying to because they wouldn't let you read certain books. Minimize or discourage access to non-cult sources of information, including internet, TV, radio, books, articles, newspapers, magazines, media, critical information about former members. So I don't know if that really pertains to New Frontiers, but like there are cults that if you leave the cult, they don't want you to be communicating with former members because these members are suppressive people. No, that was definitely not the case. Like when I left, I kept some relationships with people but those were more the friendships that weren't just based on the shared experience of being at that church. So I I think that can pertain to a lot of things. If you're at a CrossFit gym, you're going to be all buddy-buddy with people, but say you had common interests outside of CrossFit, then you might stay in touch with that person. But you think about the person that told you that you had a demonic spirit and that you were a hypocrite because you were basically like having a faith crisis. Like they excommunicated you. Those same people that you were talking about excommunicated me when I was no longer a Christian. All of my Christian friends, besides you, excommunicated me. Now, did they know what they were doing? No. They were probably like, oh, you're not going to be a Christian? Well, I don't want to talk to you. Obviously, this is a completely different situation. But the more excuses that we start making for these groups, the more that we're diminishing the possibility that they are cultic. We're being like, well, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. That's what humans do in order to justify these behaviors. All kinds of awful things. Like sexual harassment, for example. Oh, wasn't that bad? These things don't have to be these brutal things in an alleyway being beaten to death. Like cults don't all beat you. You don't get branded in every cult, but it's that these behaviors added up that make it a huge fucking issue. But you're much more vulnerable if you, based on a characteristic that you have, can never be in a leadership position of authority. Like, as a woman, you are more vulnerable within those churches to abuse. I have a good one. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I have a... I yeah. Just, I got unethical use of confession. Information about sins used to disrupt and or dissolve identity boundaries. Withholding forgiveness or absolution and manipulation of memory, possible false memories. Okay, they didn't do that. But they manipulated your confessions. If you confess that you did something, if you confess to your spiritual leader, we just talked about this, about, you know, couples that had marital problems. If you confess that, they use that against you. That is a cult behavior. I'm just saying, man, like, this is fucked. So anyway, now we're on the T, thought control. So this is like instilling black and white thinking. That's a very culty thing to do. That's something that a lot of humans just like fall into in general. Deciding between good versus evil. Yeah. That's another thought control thing. It's an easy trap for Christian groups to fall into that. And organizing people to us versus them, insiders versus outsiders. But you told that story about how you were with that other church and they're like, oh, their Holy Spirit's demonic, but our Holy Spirit's the real Holy Spirit. Yeah. That is thought control. So there you go. Have you ever heard of thought terminating cliches? No. So this is something that cults do, and it is like cult language. So these are things that I learned just by researching cults. So it's a phrase or argument typically used to end a debate, generally by leveraging a phrase that sounds meaningful, such as like, it is what it is, or you should sit with that, or what's the wording that they use? Josh and Presley talked about it. That's a heart condition, or... It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue, or you should pray about that. If you have an issue with the group, 
then that's your issue that you have to sit with. So they basically are like, okay, you have an issue. How do I stop this thought? They use a thought terminating cliche such as like, oh, you should sit with that or it is what it is or... This is the way that God created things and God's way is higher than ours. And That's, yes. So those are thought terminating cliches. That's something that a lot of groups use. People just generally do that. That's a cult behavior. Teaching thought stopping techniques which shut down reality testing by stopping negative thoughts and allowing only positive thoughts, including... Denial, rationalization, justification, wishful thinking, chanting, meditating, praying, speaking in tongues, and singing or humming. Did we just describe a new frontier service? (laughs) Yes, we did. Um, Forbid critical questions about the leader, doctrine, or policy allowed. Do you think that people were allowed to criticize Terry Virgo and his ideas? I didn't hear anyone criticize Terry Virgo. The position that he had in people's hearts and minds was like, way too high in my opinion terry virgo's so boring sarah like terry virgo is really boring there's another good article to include though that we can put in the show notes it's an article by the guardian so we didn't talk about emotional control but if anybody is interested in reading about stephen hassan's bite model just google it i'll put something in the show notes as well okay this article in the guardian is called bigotry and homelessness and how can secular utilitarians deal with Christians who are socially conservative but socially activist? And it talks about mm-hmm. New Frontiers and how it's unusual that you find a group that's so socially conservative that's like helping homeless populations, the unhoused, and really like socially conscious. So they're like, okay, if they're helping people that are low income, that's good. But if they're marginalizing gay people, that's bad. And one thing that the article doesn't touch on is the intersection between LGBTQ people and homelessness, because there is an increased risk, especially for people that are trans being kicked out of their homes and dealing with being unhoused. But this is an article that's like, we are socially liberal. And how do we navigate doing social action alongside people who are bigots? And they they use New Frontiers (laughs) as the example. So... There aren't a lot of articles out there from an outside perspective on New Mm -hmm. Frontiers, but we will include that in the comments. And we're hoping Mm -hmm. to eventually have a couple people on who were formerly involved with this organization to interview them. I think that's enough uh, Terry Virgo for today, though. We have played him before, and there's something about him that makes me feel like I want to throw up. I think it's because I'm so bored that I just want to do anything but listen to him. But would you rather listen to Terry Virgo or Mark Driscoll? Um, Mark Driscoll is like a more engaging speaker, but he's more of an outward asshole. It's like, do I want to feel like I'm going to throw up or punch someone in the face? Because those are two different, completely different reactions. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) (laughs) It just depends on how I'm feeling that day. So... Wow. Okay. What what did we learn today? Because my gosh, we have gone all over the place. We learned about the origins of New Frontiers. Yeah. We've learned about the 17 guidelines. Values. Values. Uh, of New Frontiers. We t- We've learned about Calvinism. Calvinism. We learned about Stephen Hassan's bite model. I went totally on a rant about that too. Sorry for everyone no, listening good, if you're not interested in cults because I get really excited. And... Do we have a story time with Sarah today? We do. Have you heard of Ananias and Sapphira? No. Oh. All right. Well, let's do story time with Sarah. Welcome to story time with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, the Bible. I don't know. I don't. What book is this in? This is in the book of Acts. So in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Ooh, the New Testament. Yeah, and this is great because it's a story that's very Old Testament vibey, but it's in the New Testament. Yeah, you don't get a lot of juicy stories in the New Testament, not like the Old Testament. So this is in Acts chapter 5. So now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept part of the money for himself, but he gave the rest to the apostles. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart so that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself some of the money that you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. (laughs) And great fear (laughs) and great fear seized all who heard of what had happened. 
Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked to her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord. Listen, the feet of men who buried your husband are at the door and they will also carry you out. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young man <laughs> came in, finding her, carried her out to be buried beside her husband. Great fear seized <laughs> the whole church and all who heard about these events. That's a, whoa. What? So basically, <laughs> basically Ananias and Sapphira. That's a good story. They sold some land and then they gave money from the land to the apostles but they kept some of the money for themselves and they played it off as if like oh we gave you the full amount when they didn't and struck and dead. the apostles were like we want all the money bitch is it insinuated that god killed her no no god struck them down you know who god isn't striking down these days all of these friggin pastors like have you seen the account pastors with sneakers like pastors and sneakers oh preachers and sneakers? preachers and sneakers yeah yes. like He's not killing any of these people that are like, oh, we're getting your tithe money and I'm going to go and buy, insert fancy brand here. Oh, my God. If anyone is listening and doesn't follow Preachers and Sneakers, that's a great account. They talk about it on the Hillsong documentary. That's how we We should get that guy. That guy's got that guy. (laughs) Preachers and Sneakers. But yeah. So that's a story that's in the New Testament. And I feel like that one's always glossed over because... So it's a weird one. It is a strange one for the New Testament. Usually God is smiting a lot more people in the Old Testament. So he struck them down because they were greedy, but he doesn't strike down people that are currently greedy because I don't know. I mean, if he actually struck down people that did this, oh gosh, there would be nobody left. Yeah. There would be nobody be, left. There would be barely any mega church leaders left. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. And obviously not every person within New Frontiers exploits people not everyone is power hungry. Hashtag not all Christians, but Hashtag not all Christians. the organizational structure is not great. It's a breeding ground for sketchy patriarchy. Anyway, I'm done. Okay. I'm so done. Yeah. I'm done with New Frontiers for today. Yeah, I'm done with New and Frontiers for, too. And for, today and forever. It doesn't mean we're not going to revisit the New Frontiers, but I hope this was a good overview for you all. We've touched on a lot. And we've learned a lot. And Sarah, how are you feeling? Are you tired? I feel I'm a little... so tired. I'm so hungry and yeah. tired. Oh my gosh, go eat. Don't worry. We're not in a cult, so I'm not going to stop you from eating. You mean we're not doing a 48-hour prayer and fasting (laughs) that involves beers? (laughs) Oh, my God. Ah, the UK. What a beautiful place. Well, I hope that everyone has a good day and that you're not sad, because sometimes these podcasts can make people sad, you know, talking about cults. And uh, everyone take a deep breath and everything's going to be okay. Stay safe. And for those of you still in the church, stay Baptist. (laughs) If you're thinking of joining a new Frontier Church. Yeah, don't join them. Okay. Stay mainline Christianity. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We're out. Bye bye. Bye. No, you can't get to heaven in a miniskirt. Cause the Lord don't want to little birds. BibleGateway.com, an unofficial sponsor of How to Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you just call it how to get to heaven in a miniskirt? Yeah, I'm so wrong. I'm always wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's the new name after that episode with Deb, though. <laughs> yeah, how to get to No, okay. <laughs>